coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. We have to look at your skill set. What, what are you doing now? What, have, what have your, has your experience been in the past? What would you like your future to look like? You know, are the hours important? Are your weekends off important, your nights? Do you have a family? How much money do you have to invest or, or at least good credit? And please do not leave your job. Whatever you do before you get something started, you do not leave your job. That's so important to getting a loan. That is so important to giving you still that security. There are plenty of franchises out there that you can be part of that you can do simultaneously while keeping your job until that pretty much either opens up or gets ramping up within four to six months. So my advice is always don't leave your job. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people think, well, I have to quit my job to start this new. How do I do that? I don't have the savings. I don't have enough money to do that. And then have a down payment for a franchise. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Millie Medrano, who is the founder of MK Business Advisors. So Millie is a seasoned franchise owner, very, very successful franchise owner, and she has branched out and has begun begun consulting other people that might be considering branching out and starting their own franchise. So we talk about all of the ins and outs of how to qualify a franchise opportunity, what to look for, what are some of the warning signs that you should be on the lookout for. If you are considering getting involved in any type of franchise opportunity, this is going to be an episode that you certainly are going to want to tune into. Millie is a fantastic resource and just a genuinely good person whose goal is to really help people that are looking to change their life for the for the better. So before you commit to any franchise agreements or joining any type of franchise opportunity, reach out and touch base with Millie. She'd be glad to help steer you in the right direction. And with that, I hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce. Yeah, my parents came here. We lived in Cuba Mm -hmm. and I was about seven years old. So my parents came here to make a life for themselves. And uh, my mother would basically leave my dinner and, Mm -hmm. you know, I would eat it while she went to work. And my father was already at work. So that was kind of the the dinner table. (laughs) Yeah, amazing. What was it like back in Cuba, growing up in Cuba? I mean, do you have many memories? Um, I remember some of it, but not a whole lot. I mean, I was seven years old. So I just remember, you know, we didn't, I didn't miss a meal or anything like that. So we weren't, we didn't exactly live in the real poverty, um, you know, level as some do. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, right. (laughs) But I did have parents that, you know, took care of me and, you know, the needs, the clothes and the schools and, you know, things like that. So there was definitely no issues there, but yeah. No, um, fantastic. You know, it's definitely much different than the U.S., right? So I do remember sure. my father 
My father was a construction uh, general contractor and, um, you know, he managed projects and things like that. And mm -hmm. my mother on the side would sell uh, popsicles oh, you know, wow. in the afternoon. So she would, you know, do popsicles and the kids would come up to the window and, you know, buy the little popsicles and things like that. And my yeah, father yeah. on the side made shoes. Oh, wow. Sandals. He made yeah. sandals. Yeah. So they were so, always had that entrepreneurial mind. Right? Uh, and that's what I just was going to say is, is it sounds like you had that, that inspiration from early on. So right. did you, do you feel like that, you know, is sort of shaped your trajectory? You know, what, what you wanted to do? Did you always know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur or was it, um, is, actually, is that something? No. I, I, I actually, uh, I saw myself as a lawyer in okay. New York after college but that never happened. <laughs> yep. So, you know, I, I did um, always had that entrepreneurial spirit just based on if my parents can do it, coming with a child with seven years old to the US with the, you know, their clothes on their back. Yeah. You know, why wouldn't I haven't had all the opportunities in this country to make something of myself? Sure. Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. So, so what did you do after you uh, graduated college? Did you start going, at, you know, were you working in whatever you studied in college for a while? Um, I actually, no, well, I, I worked for a marketing company at the time. I do have a marketing uh, bachelor's degree and a master in uh, international business, but I worked for a marketing company for, you know, a very short time, probably about six months to eight months. Mm -hmm. And then I moved from Houston, Texas, where I grew up to South Florida. So here I just, you know, I began uh, my world in the insurance uh, industry as an insurance adjuster. Okay. So I began, I worked there for about four years and then I went to pharmaceuticals and I was there for, I was a pharmaceutical representative for about four years. Okay. So, okay. you know, one day I just had enough, you know, I, I felt like there was more to life than to just follow, you know, someone else's uh, path of success. And I mm -hmm. realized that I wanted to, you know, build an asset that, did something for me. Right. So I yeah. came home on a hot, sweaty day in the summer and, you know, wearing suits and going, you know, knocking on doctor's doors. And yeah. you kind of said, you know, I do, I, I had a great job. I had a company car. I had, you know, everything paid for, you know, and a pretty good salary as you know, pharmaceutical reps get paid well, sure. but I wanted more, you know, and yeah. I wanted to actually build, you know, an asset for myself and my future. So I did. Yeah. You wanted that freedom. Yeah. 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 And, and what drew you to franchising? I mean, obviously there's, there's all kinds of different ways that you could go with that. You're starting your own thing, joining somebody else, partnering. You know, what, what drew you to franchising? I wanted something that I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I saw my parents do it from the ground up and my father, you know, owned a couple of barbecue restaurants in Texas and stuff, but they were all himself. There wasn't mm -hmm. any, you know, franchise or anything like that. But I do believe that you know, with franchising, all the hard work is done for you, Yeah. you know, so when you come in, it's, you just follow the plan, just like you do when you work for a job, but you have the flexibility and freedom, you know, of your own time as you wish without, you know, a boss over you or, you know, not necessarily a boss, but just corporate America having to have you meet certain quotas or things that you need to meet for yeah. them, or you can't yeah. take you can't take two weeks off this time of year because somebody else is taking that time of year. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what um what industry did you get involved in when you first launched or when you first? I was in the I was in the food industry, so I okay. Um, yeah, I purchased the smoothie bar, a uh, national brand. So I did that for a little over eighteen years. Wow, so, wow, very cool. And and now, what are you focused on today? Are you are you helping people get into franchising at yes. this point? Yes, yeah. yes, I absolutely love what I do because I get to give back, you know, yeah. and I get to, uh, and I get emotional because this is like 
just my baby of the fact that I get to help other people just yeah. really do like just I see people struggling and I see people just look at life like oh I can't do this yes you can this country offers so many opportunities and it doesn't matter if you're at the bottom it doesn't matter if you're in the middle or if you're at the top the top investors because I deal with those too I deal mm-hmm. with the people that have money that they have no clue what to do with they just know they don't want to stick it in the stock market for example yeah. But it does make me emotional because I've taken people from nothing to actually building a life for themselves. I'm sorry I get emotional. No, I love it. I love it. That's great when you know when you're that invested and that you know passionate about it. What 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 really drew you toward this? I mean, was it that you you wanted to be able to help people? I mean, was there some kind of a catalyst that you realized that at one point, you know, hey, I can I've got a lot of experience. I can help all of these people that seem to be struggling. I mean, was that the, the main motivator? Exactly. To- yeah. I mean, I just saw, you know, I, I hear from friends or I hear from other people, you know, how much they, they don't like their job or it's just that week to week, you know, paycheck. And, you know, they're so hooked on what I call that W2 crack, yeah. you know, so yeah. they don't know how to exit that. They don't know how to basically start doing their own thing, but with the support of a franchisor, you mm-hmm. know, so that's the, the predominant reason is just because, like I said, I saw my parents come with nothing and make something of themselves, but I saw my father do it from the ground up, which was painful. I mean, yeah. it, it was a lot more work. It took a lot more time for the success to happen, a lot more years than it did for me when yeah. I started, because even though I took a, you know, that brand was just basically an emerging franchising brand at the time, I blew it up here in, in South Florida. Mm-hmm. So it helped create that brand, what it is today. And, and I love that I've learned so much from beginning to end, because as an owner operator to stepping back and scaling and letting others take the reins and developing a team and having multiple units, because I had four, uh, five units and um, it's just, I know that if I can do it, I can help others do it too. Yeah. What, what would be, you know, let's, let's start walking down that path. You know, let's say that I'm unhappy with my job. You know, what, what types of things do I need to be aware of and what things do I need to bring to the table in order to be able to, 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 to start a franchise? And, and it sounds like you got in sort of on the ground floor of an emerging, emerging you know, franchise opportunity, you know, are there ways to be able to identify those types of things? Absolutely. That's a lot of questions, I guess. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. And I always say if, had I had a franchise consultant like myself back then to Mm -hmm. help me through the skill sets that I had, my degrees, my experience and all of that, I always say I would have never ended up in food, you know, because that was why I never got involved after college with my father, because I really didn't want to end up in food. But where did I end up in food? Because first of all, most people what do they think when you say the word franchising, what do they think of? You know, they think of the big brands like yeah. you know, McDonald's, McDonald's you know, everybody yeah. wants a Chick-fil-A, you know, but everybody doesn't understand that those are completely different models than what you could really have a life with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in my, my view or understanding of, you know, what I've done is we have to look at your skill set. What, what are you doing now? What have, what have your, has your experience been in the past? What would you like your future to look like? You know, are the hours important? Are your weekends off important? Your nights? Do you have a family? How much money do you have to invest or or at least good credit? And please do not leave your job. 
whatever you do before you get something started, you do not leave your job. That's so important to getting a loan. That is so important to giving you still that security. There are plenty of franchises out there that you can be part of, that you can do simultaneously while keeping your job until that pretty much either opens up or gets ramping up within four to six months. So my advice is always don't leave your job. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people think, well, I have to quit my job to start this new. How do I do that? I don't have the savings. I don't have enough money to do that and then have a down payment for a franchise. Yeah. How, how do you get started? Let's say that you, you don't have very much money. You know, are there, are there ways or places you can go to get you know, some type of a small business loan, you know, even if you don't necessarily have much credit? What, what's, what, yes. You know, how does um, that? Having high credit or good credit and not having any money makes it, of course, you know, very challenging if you don't have both, right? Or yeah. one or the other, at least. So we look at, do they have a 401k plan? You know, do they have, do they own a home? You yeah. know, do they, do they own any other property? Do they have a partner, a mom, a dad, anybody? Right now, I actually deal with some parents that are dealing with challenging situations where, you know, the, the son or daughter doesn't want to go to college. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, what do I do with them? I mean, they're not going to sit on my couch, you know, all yeah. day long and not do anything with their lives. So, you know, I help them look into, you know, franchising that, you know, their son or daughter can be part of. And they can help them, you know, get going, not just financially, but also experience wise. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. one aspect, you know, one, one side. But there, there's also people think that for franchising, you need a lot of money. There are franchises that you can do for under $100,000. Mm-hmm. So as long as you have a little something or you, you know, we, we, we work with you to tell you how much money you need to save, you know, and and let's say you don't have it today, but let's say you're on a plan and on track, you know, to, you know what, have it in a year, you know, have it in, you know, have it in a year and a half. It's better than not having a plan at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's some of the things that I work with, with people, you know, understanding the franchising world that it's not necessarily half a million dollars to open up a franchise. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. What are some of the, what are some of the, the, things like you mentioned, you look at the skill sets that the person has, you know, what they, you know, what types of things they like to do. Is there, is there any, I guess, pre-work that someone can do? Because, you know, a lot of people might say, well, I've, you know, I've worked in an office my entire life. You know, what skills do I have? Like, how do you, how do you identify what you might want to do or what even opportunities there are out there that, that would be a good fit for, whatever things you feel you're interested in or whatever skill sets you bring to the table? Well, there, there's over 80 industries. So when we look at industries, you know, whether it's the pet industry or the healthcare industry, you have the automotive industry, the spa, you know, the health and beauty industry, you have the gyms. So there are so many different industries. And in those, within those industries, there are small, medium, and, you know, large uh, franchises um, that have opportunities. So in looking at the person's skill set. Hey, it's Matt. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've been involved in the multifamily real estate realm for a while. It's something that I truly, truly enjoy. And I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling it the MultiWiser Deal Room. It's a community of individuals just like you who want to get wise about multifamily real estate investing, developing, and even owning and managing your own complexes. 
You'll be able to network with people from all sections of the industry, from investors looking for deals, project managers looking for investors, real estate brokers, property management agencies, contractors, remodeling experts, finance gurus, you name it, we're going to have it in the network. I've been at this for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one of these projects happen. And the MultiWiser Deal Room is my attempt to shorten your learning curve and get you plugged into leading experts fast who can help you close your own deals. We start off with a video glossary of over 150 commonly used terms to increase your understanding and help you get moving. Also included in the community are training videos to help you be successful, like how to put together a pitch deck, build a team, and so much more. We're going to have live interactive Zoom calls where you can ask your questions and learn from people who are actually out there in the industry doing it. For more information, go to multiwiser.com. Everybody's got something that they can offer. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just a matter of who you are. Even those that think that I got, I got nothing. I mean, I'm, you know, you do. You just haven't honed in on it yet to really learn the process. So I do have like a business assessment that we send out to our clients and they take the, you know, the business assessment and that helps me understand how they make business decisions. What's mm -hmm. what basically is important to them categorizing, you know, certain responses in certain ways. So that helps bring me, you know, are you somebody that you work best when, you know, you build relationships, you, you want to help other people, you more, and that's called a societal, right? So you, you, you care about the environment, you care about other people expanding their life or doing things, or are you more of that, you know, achiever director person that, you know, what, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you just want to make money, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we all have those as well. There's also those that are call like the belongers. So that person loves to be a part of something, be eating, breathing the brand and having other people to call out and they go on vacations together. And that does exist, you know, within the franchise systems, depending on the culture of that particular franchise. So culture is huge. That's mm -hmm. one of the things that has to be a great fit right along with skills. You yeah. know, and right along with that comes, you know, do you want to work? Do you, are you okay working nights? Are you okay working weekends? You know, do you want an eight to five? And those are all things that people don't think about. And the most important one of all is how do you want to exit your business? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so that people don't think about people always think I'm looking for a business that I get into a business, but then never think about how am I going to exit that business? Am I going to will it to my kids? Am I going to sell it to my employees? Am I going to close it? Am I going to sell it? You know, yeah. those are four ways, you know, to exit. And and with a with a franchise, I mean, I'm assuming that your the goal is to 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 build it, you know, build the advertising, build the marketing, build the the you know, the community awareness about that particular business. And then uh you know, is it just like any other business where you're you're essentially valuing it based on the the income? that it's able to produce is that is that basically you know how yeah, that I mean, would that's work typically if you were to... how you yeah it's typically how you value you know a business based on the return on investment as well as your cash flow more yeah. importantly it's your cash flow so you know that that's what um accountants and business investors are going to look like what's my cash flow going to look like and that's what you're going to multiply you know typically anywhere between two to four times yeah so you yep. know again you're building an asset yeah. You know, and as you're building an asset, like, for example, had I stayed with my pharmaceutical company, I couldn't turn around and sell my territory. 
right? Yeah. But if I go and I, I and I get involved and I, you know, buy a, let's say an, an electrician, you know, uh, type of service company, I hire electricians, they're the ones doing the job. I'm the one, you know, running my company, I'm building a business. So at the end of the, whatever time I want to, I want to sell it in five years, I can sell it. I've built an asset. Yeah. Yep. So. That makes perfect sense. What are some of the mistakes that you see a lot of people making when they, when they, you know, maybe get involved with a franchise or, or, you know, they didn't, they didn't come and consult you first. What, what are some of those things that commonly pop up as being oopses as you look back? Um, on and I saw this through, you know, my own franchise that I owned is people think that because they see others within the system being successful, that they're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, they fail to look at their territory, how saturated it may be, or they fail to look at this, their, their own skill sets, what I'm willing to do. They, they, they don't ask those questions and they think that money is the only thing that's important and is not, you mm-hmm. know, because at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's, a, it, you're, you're, it's your business. So you're going to be eating, breathing it, sleeping on it, you know, waking up on it in every way, shape and form. So you want to make sure you, you enjoy what you're doing and that you get that satisfaction. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Have you been in a situation where, you know, a, a franchise, like someone bought into the wrong franchise and the franchise essentially disappeared, they went bankrupt, whatever. I mean, is that, not is that still, time. yeah. The, yeah, the, I mean, it can happen, but yeah, not at this time because the franchises that I do deal with are pretty solid. And I, what I look for the most is the support that they provide, how vested are they in my franchisee or your franchisee? Cause it's really, will be yeah. there. Right. So, but in my client, how vested will you be? What's the culture like? So that's why it's important that whether they work with me or they're working with someone, you know, work with someone. Yeah. It, it's kind of like the differences. I always put it in this perspective. It's kind of like going out and looking for a house on your own and going out and looking for a house with a realtor. Right. Mm-hmm. So a realtor is probably going to show you uh, maybe another area that you didn't even know existed. You know, another little pocket of homes that, you know, oh, wow, I didn't know this little gem area was here. Look how cute they are. So you're, you're looking through their eyes and their experience, you mm-hmm. know, at a, at a business to invest in, you know, and we don't I don't charge a fee to my clients. Once we get to the point that they've narrowed it down to two to three franchises, we try to then narrow it down to two and then we weigh out way and then they go forth, you know, and look at mm-hmm. both. I don't, if they come to me and they tell me I want this and this is the only one I want. And I'm, I, I'm very reluctant to work with somebody like that because it's not someone who's open-minded, you know, yeah. understanding themselves first before they really just look at, well, the person down the street or in, in, in two towns down is like making a killing and the, night, the line is at the door, but that's not the case for you. It may not be, you know, a yeah. business for you. So, yeah. And I so saw what, that, with, you know, with the franchise that I was in because people came in and they think that, you know, they could do it just like we were doing our businesses, but it wasn't the case to, you know, a year to two years later, they were closing, broke my heart to see yeah. because they take their savings. A lot of them took their 401ks or they borrowed money or their money against their home as an equity loan, you know, and it, and it, they failed. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes sense. What, what are some of the things that you, they, someone is looking at a franchise. Are there like warning signs? Like you, you mentioned the support. I'm sure that, you know, franchise franchisors can sell you the world, right? You know, I'm going to support you. We're going to do this, this, and this for you. Are there any warning signs that you should be on the lookout for maybe that aren't necessarily what they're telling you? Like, are there any, are there any things that you should maybe even be getting or asking for 
from them so that you can realize that yeah, these the this is a real deal franchise or they are going to be there. Yeah, it it all comes down to the, the franchise disclosure agreement has an item 19. That item 19 tells that franchisee, and that's if they have one. Some don't have one, but they're great franchises. But they most of them would have one. And if they do, they'll show the bottom line, you know, like we're making all this amount of money or whatever. But you don't really know that, right. you know. So I always tell them, I said, don't get caught up on that. Because one, we're going to be caught up on your skills, your skill set, have your involvement in the business or who you're going to have, you know, with you involved, who's going to run it, what territory you're in. All of those things come to play. But more importantly is you're going to get to validate that brand with other franchisees. And I always tell them, we're going to ask to talk to franchisees that have been in it for a short time, a middle time, and towards the end of their cycle, you know, Mm -hmm. that 10-year agreement, you know, or perhaps they've renewed that 10-year agreement. Would you do it again? That's definitely one question I always tell them to, you know, ask at the end of their conversation. But when you validate that brand with other franchisees, that's when you're really allowed to say, hey, what did you do last month? You know, how much are your expenses? How much, you know, would you say your employees, your labor percent was? How realistic is this? How realistic is that? That's when you really, and we give them the set of questions to ask, mm-hmm. you know, not just, not just to ask the franchisor as they going through, they're going through the process with them. We give them those questions to make sure that they're checking off all those boxes and all those, getting all those answers. But we also give them the information that the questions that they're going to ask a franchisee. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes perfect. And then of course their own questions that they might have, you know, but pretty much cover them all on that, on that sheet of paper. And then some, like I said, that it, that they may have. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes perfect sense. And, and are there any industries, I guess, ranking industries, and maybe this goes back to the skill sets or the, the experience of the person, but are there any industries that, you know, we, you would say are more difficult than, than other types of industries? To, to be involved in a franchise in? Well, it, it all depends, you know, again, on the skill set of the person, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people come to me with food predominantly because they just think that it's it's easy. It's not. It's probably yeah. one of the hardest industries, not just to be in, but it's also the hardest industries to get a loan for. But they, you can get a loan. It's just the hardest one and in the one that you have to be more cautious because you're, you've got to be more active. So from an investor point of view, it all depends who your manager is going to be, who's going mm-hmm. to oversee, you know, especially if you're buying, let's say a three pack, multiple units in this town, who's going to run those businesses? Is it you or are you just simply the investor and you're going to have a manager in place? That manager is the one that makes the difference, whether your franchise is going to be successful or not, because you're just an investor, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. So, what are what are some of the things that I guess people should be on the lookout for for a, a franchise? Like again, is there? I, I'm just trying to think. Like you mentioned locations and and three pack, four pack. Like, is there a way to be able to qualify? You know, maybe this one has two good locations and one bad location. How do you how do you identify whether or not it's a good location or a bad location? You know, if you're if you're just looking at it and you see you know it's on the corner of a street or, you know, corner of, uh, you know, Main Street, is there any way to be able to say, yeah, that one should be, you know, worth this much, or, you know, we should value well, it at this much because of the traffic or any, it's, anything right. like It's that? all based on demographics. So it's based on traffic counts, you know, of that corner, you know, it's based on the household income in that area, 
and again, the type of business that you are, right? So what's a disposable income? You know, if you're doing a, a health and beauty and it's a luxury brand, what I like to call a sexy brand, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to require that disposable income. So you want to make sure that you're in areas that are affluent for that brand. Mm-hmm. In terms of food, it again, again depends on, you know, the type of food that you're offering and the growth trend that there is going for that particular type of food. You know, let's Mm -hmm. say it's Greek food. Am I going into an area that would be receptive to having a Greek restaurant in this corner? So all of those things come to play. But the franchisor is the one that helps you from Uh, beginning to end to find that location. Yeah, they have all of those programs in place, and then they have a representative designed that comes out to you. You ride around the area, you look at different locations that have already been sent to them by commercial realtors, and then it's approved, you know, it, they'll get approval on a location, or they may not find a location. They may not, yeah. you know, maybe flying back wherever they're from and go back home and we're back to the drawing board, you know, back and forth with the, you know, with the, um, the commercial um, realtor. Yeah. How long does it normally take from the time when you identify this is the franchise that I I want and say all the pieces are in place, this is where it's going to go? How long does it take to get up and running typically, would you say? And maybe that even depends on what type of franchise it is. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. it definitely depends on the type of franchise, because if you're looking at a food, you know, brick and mortar, all depends, you know, again, on the location, the county that you're going to be in, the city that you're in, because you've got to submit plans for a build out, right? Mm -hmm. So now Mm -hmm. you're dependent on that city to approve your plans to then have the general contract contractor begin the build out of that location. But in the process of negotiating, I mean, I've, I've taken four to six months just to negotiate a lease, yeah, you know, yeah. one of my locations, you know, and at the end of the day, that lease didn't pan out. You know, we ended up moving to like not going with that particular lease. And we went, you know, looked at other location. We went, went back to the drawing board. So that can certainly happen. So yeah. that's why I always say, don't leave your job. You don't leave your job until those doors are ready to open. If you're doing a brick and mortar, if you're not doing a brick and mortar, it's a lot easier because you can do that. You can, some of the franchises you can start while you're still doing your job. Now, again, depends on the job you have, right? So a lot of like now with, you know, after COVID, you know, occurring, we have a lot of home-based businesses that, mm-hmm. you know, are franchises now and, and they've opened opportunities for people like, you know, moms, for example, that now have kids that are in school and they don't know what to do with themselves, you know, yeah, during yeah. the day. So there's different businesses that they can do between the hours of say eight to two when they, you know, right when they pick up the kids that allows them to generate some income home, but not be completely 100%, you know, of all of their time taken by a business. Yeah. Yeah. No, Millie, this is, this is fantastic. I had a number of businesses that I started over the years and, and, you know, franchises has always been, you know, something that I've, I've looked at before in the past. And this is, this is interesting. You know, it's always, uh, it's always eye-opening being able to learn from people that have been there and, and done that. So, so thanks for being on the show here today. If people want to learn more about you or your services, what would be the best way to, to reach out and get in touch? Very personable. So you are welcome to text me. My you know cell number is 786-417-4004. You also have my website, which is mkbusinessadvisors.com. So you can also reach, you know, reach out to me there as well. 
and my email is mmedrano, M-E-D-R-A-N-O at Yahoo. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, at gmail.com. Excellent. Excellent. I love it. <laughs> love it. Texting Thanks. is always great. That's usually the easiest and I'm very quick to text back. So love just it. let me know who you are, how you heard about me, and then I'll just text you back and, there you know, you be glad to help. And like I said, my services are free. I just, you know, really from the bottom of my heart would love to help, you know, as many people as I can, you know, yeah. change their lives. I love it. And and you're, you would do this anywhere in the country? Anywhere. Basically. Yeah. And yeah. nationwide. Yeah. Nationwide. Yeah. We have a couple that are worldwide, but I pretty much, you know, predominantly I'm nationwide. So anywhere. So if you're in Seattle and you hear this podcast and you, you know, you, you like who I am or what I have to offer, you know, by all means, you know, reach out, just keep in mind, I'm three hours ahead Yep, yep. <laughs> of being in South Florida, you know, and vice versa. Right. I try, that's another thing too, that as a broker, I have to, you know, keep in mind people's um, time or the yep. where they're located. Yep. Yeah, no, I love it. Millie, this is fantastic. Thanks for the time and uh, love what you're doing. Love, love that you're inspiring Thank others you. to start their own thing and get out there and change their own lives. So kudos to you. Absolutely. It's up to you. Only you can do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.